Sunday and Advent. How many of you have been at uh, Christmas in Queenstown already? Some of you have visited. Tonight's the last night, so make sure you make your way down. It's uh, wonderful what our, our people have done, our volunteers, in setting the place up. You know, it's really quite a Christmas spirit and uh, a very nice uh, uh, atmosphere. It's there yesterday. Sean was talking about having grown up in this church. Every time he walks onto the land, he can sense, you know, the Spirit of God is here. And I hope, you know, we, as we open our doors to the community and we've had the community come in, that they too can experience the peace of God as they walk in this place. But it'd be good if you could come by and just support the uh, vendors. Not all of them are our own people. They are outsiders as well. And uh, give them some uh, business because we hope next year to continue this and hopefully in a bigger and better way. And if nothing else, come for the concert which is held here at 8pm. Wonderful music. I mean, tremendous uh, uh, blessing they have been. Um, we have the professional musicians from the past who would help us with the concert, but this time they've included their students because many professional musicians to make uh, ends meet often have to give lessons. And so there are young people here as well who are joining in to make uh, wonderful Christmas music for us to enjoy. So do avail yourself of this opportunity, I hope. Anyway, let's look at this passage of Scripture. As you can tell from the uh, prayers, the collects that are prayed in this Sunday of fourth Sunday of Advent, the focus shifts towards Mary. And in particular, you know, all the readings in Advent always point us towards His second coming. This uh, week's readings remind us of His first coming. And in particular, you know, finally we get to the Christmas story here in verse 18, right? <clears throat> now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And in many ways, uh, this um, um, theme of Mary is taken up in Matthew's Gospel, but focus is slightly different. Because looking at Mary's pregnancy from the perspective of the father, or father-to-be in some sense, Joseph, However, as you can see, he wasn't really, he had no skin in the game, so to speak, right? It wasn't of his seed or of his loins. And, you know, um, this is the last regular service of uh, 2022. As you know, our theme this year has been Trust and Obey. And I want to pick up that theme from this passage and from the story of Joseph especially. But I wonder how you would feel, you know, in many ways as a father myself, I can somewhat identify with Joseph better than I can with Mary. Uh, I can understand some of his emotions, or at least I think I can understand. And reading a little bit into what is happening here, you know, if you indulge me, I think one of the greatest emotions he may have felt was grief. Right? Here he is, a man who is engaged to a person he's about to give the rest of his life to. And there must have been great disappointment. Can you imagine the conversation they had? Mary says, um, Joseph, dear, I have something to tell you. He said, yeah, sure, what? And she says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and then the pregnant pause, pun intended. <laughs> and he'd be thinking to himself, what? What's going on? I know I've never slept with you, <laughs> so this child cannot be mine. And she's saying, let me explain to you. Wait, 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 I don't want to hear. <laughs> no, no, no. This is of the Holy Spirit and of God. And it's like, hello, you think I born yesterday? Ah? 
That's not how babies are made, right? And you can imagine what was going through his mind. I mean, he may not speak English, lah, but you know, the, 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 the emotion, the grief, the disappointment, the confusion, right? This is a woman I'm, I'm a betrothed, engaged to Mary, and I'm sure Mary was, you know, uh, uh, the way it was spoken of in Scripture, was a woman above uh, any uh, reproach. You know, a woman of good character. <laughs> and it's the last thing in his mind that he would have been expecting. And verse 19 tells us, you know, Joseph was of good character because he said, uh, Joseph, being a just man, was unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. Now understand this, in uh, Jesus' day, uh, engagement was not something you entered into lightly. It was as if they were married. That's why he's referred to as her husband. Why, if they wanted to call off the engagement, there was a divorce that was required. You know, I, I tried to think, yesterday I was talking to the young people, trying to think and, you know, make it uh, relevant. I say, it's like this. Uh, the couple got their BTO, they need to ROM. But they're not ready to have their banquet or the tea ceremony yet or the church wedding. So never mind, they go to ROM and they do the necessary. And then somehow or other, something happens in between. And they need to call it off. Now you know this, if you want to call off an ROM, I mean if you've already registered at ROM, it's not a small matter. Right? You either need to get a divorce or to have the marriage annulled or something or other, even though you haven't gone through the rights. And in some sense, now it's not exactly the same, obviously. But you can imagine all the complications. Now what do we do with our BTO? You know, what do we do? And he's trying to preserve her because, you know, the law of God, the Torah says, if a woman is caught in adultery, what happens? Stone her to death. We saw that in John chapter 8. And he's trying to save her from that. And he's trying to preserve her from a worse outcome. But look, what happens? But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid. Now, I know you know this. Every time you see a person encountering an angel, one of the first things the angel always says is, do not fear. You know, angels are not these uh, uh, cute little cherubs with small wings, you know, carrying a bow or something like that. <laughs> angels in Scripture are fearful beings. Right? Every time they appear, the first thing they say is, fear not, or don't be afraid. You know, can you imagine having an angel appear in a dream? You know, it's not something that uh, you really wish for, uh, because it would have been a very scary thing. But think about it. Not only was he grieving at this point of time, I think he was also full of fear, not just because of the angel, but think, what would it be like to become a first-time father? You know, I remember when my wife told us she was expecting our first child, and I was, on the one hand, elated, on the other hand, wondering, you know, can I cut it? <laughs> can I make it as a father? It's not a small thing you enter into. And the fear of, you know, having to bring up a child that is not his... Or the fear he has for her, what would happen to her if the word gets out that she's an unwed mother? You know, in today, 21st century Singapore, there's some stigma to it, but nothing like the stigma that would have faced them in that, that day and age. Or 
the fear, if he had gone ahead with it, you know, what would other people think of him? Or even in his own mind, is he being taken as a fool? If he trusts her and says it's of the Holy Spirit. And God knew the fears that he was facing, and which is why God had to give him this message. That had to, you know, whenever we have an extraordinary uh, uh, assignment from the Lord, you can be sure that the word comes in extraordinary ways. And as you stop and you think about this, both Mary and Joseph, you read the account of Mary's uh, encounter and hearing this word in the gospel according to Luke. Matthew looks at it from Joseph's perspective. In a very real sense, you know, it was announced to the two of them that the, this child that they are about to have, whose name shall be called Jesus, is here to save the sins of the world. So may I suggest to you, Mary and Joseph are the first Christians. Right? They are the very first to believe in who Jesus is. Despite the fact that it's not even, he's not even born yet. Because we see what happens as uh, the, the, the um, uh, angel continues. She will bear a son and you will, shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place, uh, uh, took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. That it was a fulfillment of the prophecy which we saw or was read for us earlier in Isaiah. When Ahaz was asked to, you know, ask the Lord for a sign, he says, no, 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 I don't need, you know, I don't want to test the Lord, <laughs> trying to be modest about it. But God says, I myself will provide a sign. That I am the God who delivers. I will have this uh, uh, virgin bear a son, right? The miraculous birth of Jesus is a sign of God being with us, which is why he says, name him Emmanuel, right? Uh, uh, Emmanuel literally means God with us. Jesus is uh, the Greek version of Yeshua, Joshua, God who saves. And, and you know, it's, it's God's message to us. But what I'm really impressed by is Joseph because his response of faith we see here Verses 24 and 25, the end of the passage. When Joseph woke from his sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but he knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. You know, we've talked about this whole year, off and on, about trusting and obeying, a theme which I felt the Lord was leading us to as the people of God here in Church of the Good Shepherd. You know that for us to <clears throat> not just listen to the Word of God, not just be hearers of His Word, but be doers also. But I realized and I, I felt what the Lord was saying to us as a church. You know, sometimes we hear, the reason we don't do is because there is a gap <laughs> between what we hear and what we trust we hear. There is a gap in that, you know, I, I know what I need to do, but very often I don't do it because my wisdom or the wisdom of the world or the way things are done don't quite align with how God wants us to do things. But I believe that Lord wants us to know, you know, in fact, when I say trust and obey, I think the struggle many of us have is not in trusting and in obeying. The struggle most of us have is in suspicion and disobedience. 
We suspect the word. I don't know if, you know, if I obey what God says, the outcome will be good. That's why I disobey, not because I'm willful or rebellious, but because there is a gap in terms of our faith. But we see here the faith of Joseph stepping out in faith to agree to take Mary as his wife and to be the father to Jesus. Don't know if you realize how tremendous an assignment that was. But you may say to me, Pastor, angel appeared to him, uh, how can he deny it? <laughs> right? Angels haven't appeared to me to tell me to do it. What, 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 how, how, do, how am I supposed to respond to that? If you read uh, that passage that was read earlier by Hong Ha, our sister Hong Ha uh, from Romans chapter 1, it's Paul laying out his credentials, talking about his calling. And he says, I'm an apostle of Jesus Christ, called by him because of the gospel of God, because of the good news that was promised beforehand through the prophets in his holy scriptures concerning his son Jesus. The good news of Jesus Christ is what made Paul who he was. Why he too was willing to trust and obey. Why he too was willing to take on an assignment which was tremendous. You know well the story if you read through the book of Acts, how he was shipwrecked, how he was stoned for his face, how he was facing persecution in every way, shape and form. And yet he was able to do it. But look at this, what he says. I I love this turn of phrase in verse 5 of Romans chapter 1. He says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of His name among all the nations. That His obedience was of faith. Many of us in this church, I know, obey. But I wonder what is it that motivates our obedience. If we are honest, you know, some of us may say, I have an obedience of fear. (laughs) Fear? Fear of consequences of not obeying, right? An example is, I drive uh, around, not as much now that I'm living in Queenstown, but in the past, you know, drive a lot. And I am very obedient to the traffic laws, especially the posted uh, speed limit. Why? Because I'm fearful. I already can once. <laughs> Actually, during the um, um, circuit breaker, I, you know, Used to waking up late, I woke up late Sunday morning, I sped down uh, Braddle Road <laughs> and Kana once, Kana the second time, the uh, third time or fourth time, I think I'll lose my license, <laughs> get suspended. So out of fear, I obey the speed law. Fear of getting caught. You know, I didn't see any police, but apparently there are cameras along there, so beware. <laughs> uh, but many of us do that. We are afraid of consequences, so we are obedient. Or maybe sometimes our obedience comes out of duty. I have a deep sense of duty, of loyalty, of you know, knowing that I need to do the right thing and that's what uh, um, motivates my obedience. But you realise that none of these things really will take us through uh, times when the obedience calls for us to lay down our lives. Calls for us to do the difficult thing. When everything else is different. And in Paul's case, he recognized that his obedience was born of faith. In other words, it was an obedience that was the fruit of the forgiveness that he received and of him being set free from who he was. Paul talks about the fact that I'm the chief of sinners. 
that I'm, you know, don't deserve the grace that I have received. So when Paul talks about the fact that he is a recipient of God's grace, you know, uh, 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 he's not saying it lightly. That I've received the grace and this apostleship, this, this mandate to go, to be sent, to bring about the faith of obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. The, uh, 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 a fulfillment of the Great Commission to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey all that I have taught you. And that was Paul's justification to trust and to obey. And as we go through this year and we turn into a new year, 2023, I hope we don't leave this word behind, but continue to press in into it. And I know at times it's a struggle. At times we stumble and we fall. At times we may find ourselves not in obedience. I mean, that's why uh, uh, the Anglican service every week we have a general confession because there's an acknowledgement that we always stumble and fall. But that doesn't mean we don't pick ourselves up and carry on because God is faithful. I love that um, um, chorus which we sang, Come all ye unfaithful. Right? We always sing the Christmas carol, O come all ye faithful, which is also a wonderful uh, uh, sentiment. But what happens is when we are faithless, God's promise is that when we are faithless, He is faithful because He cannot deny Himself. And that's why week after week after week, I share and I preach the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, that God loved us so much that He sent His Son Jesus to die on the cross for us, to demonstrate His love for us, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That these truths, these fundamental truths, are not just the ABCs of the Christian life. You know, that means just starting out. And, and I, forgive me if I use American pronunciation, they are actually the A to Z, because it sounds more poetic than A to Z. <laughs> that the gospel is actually the beginning and the end of all our lives. That it gives us the power to live life as God has called us to live it. To see that Jesus has come to save His people from their sins. Not just once for all, but again and again. That His grace comes to us again and again. That as we come, we don't need to be ashamed. We don't need to be worried. We don't need to be Concern, does God welcome us? He does. And He wants us and He longs for us to be in His presence. And that's the basis for Christian living. You know, all of Advent is looking forward to the second coming. And the reason we can look forward to the second coming with hope is because we look back to His first coming and see how He has been faithful to His people, faithful to what He has promised. What He says He will do, He does. And that's why we as His people can truly trust and obey Him. Let's bow our heads for a word of prayer. Gracious, loving, Heavenly Father, we thank You today for this word of the account of Joseph, the husband of Mary, who was the earthly embodiment of a father to Jesus.
I thank you, Lord, that despite his grief, his disappointment, his fear, he was able to press in and to trust in the word that you gave him and obeyed. And Lord, as we come before your throne of grace this morning, despite our own grief, our own disappointments, our own fears, we pray, Lord, that you meet us where we are. Renew our vision for the cross, Lord, to see who you are. Turn our eyes upon Jesus once again to remind us that, Lord, even though we have been faithless, you are constantly faithful. And you call us to yourself. Help us to walk back to you, to put ourselves in your hands, to trust you and to obey you each step of the way. All these things we ask and we pray in your Son's most precious name. And all God's people say, Amen. Well, church, shall we stand and declare our faith?